0: Uh, Start this interview and um, Marin may join us at some point. She may not, but uh, um, we'll get this interview knocked out and and get along uh, with your deck. Okay. All right. All right. Tape with Courtney Wallace, and the tape is coming in three, two, one. Well, Our first interview of two with two pitchers who have been very active in the NCAA regionals is with Nebraska's Courtney Wallace, who really carried the load this year for the Big Red. 222 innings pitched out of 373 the team played, so basically two-thirds of the innings the Huskers played. Number 23 was in the circle record of 25 and 16, 350 ERA, and she concluded a great Husker career by pitching in the regional final for Nebraska against Oklahoma State and Stillwater. And she joins us here on Behind the Plate with Marin and Nate. First off, Courtney, just how does it feel to be at the end of the road of your college softball career and, and and knowing you've thrown your last pitch as a Nebraska Corn Oscar?
1: Yeah I would say uh the day after the tournament ended so after we were coming back home it kind of felt like I was going through a breakup a little bit um it was a little sad I cried the next day and that morning um but I've said um very grateful for my experience and my journey. I wouldn't take anything back, and every I left everything on the field. So everything that I've wanted to do, I've done. And I'm just, like I said, grateful to look walk away in that way.
0: It, it's obvious you left everything on the field, uh, especially the workload you had all season long where you were pitching three four games a weekend during the non-conference and uh you pitched 22 out of 23 big 10 games this year so you were in the circle basically every game especially down the stretch Mm -hmm. what was your recovery process like and and how did that change this year as opposed to last year when you were able to spit uh to split more time with Olivia Farrell
1: yeah, so the recovery for me was more um, on Mondays when we had them off, I wouldn't even leave the house. Um, I, if I did, it would be for like rehab at like nine in the morning and then I would come back and I'd be in the house all day. Um, luckily, like with school, I was all online, so I didn't have to leave the house for school. Hmm. And then um, last year, I think I was able, the only difference really last year, I was just like able to spend more time on hating. Mm-hmm. Um when I wasn't throwing. So I was able to like spend more time with Miller and like go in for individuals and stuff like that. Where this year I actually like made the decision essentially to like not be in the lineup due to like the workload that I was going to have. And I also had like a hand injury that I couldn't really be in the lineup um, from sure. Arizona. And so um, I think the recovery part, I just like spent a lot of time in bed sleeping, mm-hmm. trying to catch up on sleep and eating. But um, other than that, it wasn't it wasn't that much different.
0: How long would it take for your body to to feel normal after uh, those weekends? I mean, were you good by Tuesday? Were you back to 100% or did it take longer this year because you were pitching more?
1: Yeah, I think honestly, um, compared to like my other years, I would get sore like the next day, whereas like this year, I I would get like two days sore. So I would be sore like Tuesday, Wednesday, and then like really stretching on Thursday for Friday and the weekend. So, um, it took like a little longer for my body to like feel what I was doing. But by the time, like my adrenaline was going, like I didn't really feel sore. I mean, some days in the bullpen, I was like, really like trying to get my arm to go in a circle, but, um, I would get it going once that they're like, okay, you're going in. I'm like, all right, I'm ready. But, um, yeah, I would get a little, a little sore longer than normal.
0: Chatting with. Now, former Husker pitcher Courtney Wallace, I I don't like saying that, but unfortunately (laughs) that that, that is the case here on Behind the Plate with Marin and Nate. Let's zoom out a little bit to the beginning of your Husker career. And when you came into this program, you were a two-way player. And I, I don't know if you were entirely... Uh, comfortable with being a pitcher first if you kind of wanted to split your time between pitching and hitting what Mm -hmm. what was that sort of process like for you to to define what you were going to be for this husker program
1: uh when i first came in i was i'm so sorry my dog is growling when i first (laughs) came in um i was like okay with not pitching i mean at that time we had live Lindsey Wall, Jasper, Reagan, Mergle, like we had, we had a staff at that time. So I was okay. I played third, played in the outfield, DP, like I was okay with what I was doing until I was needed. Um, My sophomore year, I ended up tearing my labrum. So I wasn't throwing that much either Mm -hmm. um, from diving in the outfield. So then I didn't play in the outfield anymore after that. And then um, my junior year, I had kind of like matured a little bit in the circle. Like I started to understand a little more of what was expected of me. Um, but I think at the beginning I was like, okay with not pitching. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, that's how I was. That's how I grew up. I played multiple positions. I was neat. Like I would go wherever I was needed. Um, I was good, but like, I was raw, like spin wise, velocity wise. Like I could throw hard and get people to like get out, but like, I didn't have movement or like anything like that. So like, I was okay with not pitching, um, And then I think as I got older, I was just like, okay, like this is what like I came here to do. This is like my role and this is what I want. I want the ball. Mm -hmm. And I would say that started like after my sophomore year after um, COVID, actually. So that was kind of my story going into that
0: yeah stepping up uh, as a pitcher and you mentioned it a little bit but how did you grow as a pitcher how did you develop as a pitcher uh, as you put a little more focus on it and as you defined yourself more as a pitcher
1: um yeah I think when I was before I remember this very well I remember um when I had committed I think Coacherville knew that I was a pitcher, but I wasn't in love with pitching at that time. And she would always tell me, like, my freshman and sophomore year, like, we're going to get you to fall in love with pitching. Um, and I would just be like, yeah, okay, Coach Revell, like, pitching, I'll, you know, I'll figure it out. But I think I, like, genuinely fell in love with just being in control of something and having to go through certain things. Like, some days they were very hard. Um I'm going to be completely honest. There's some days I wanted to quit and be like, I don't want to pitch anymore, but um, (laughs) I just kind of like stuck it out and tried to like always find my reason why, uh, why I was pitching, why I did what I did. And I think the maturing was just honestly falling in love with it and not loving it, but being in love with it. Mm
0: -hmm. And and you, you talk about to, you know, your why and why you wanted to pitch and why you wanted uh, to play softball, what, is, what was that? Why?
1: I think that my biggest inspirations, like, growing up, were honestly always, like, like, Monica Abbott, Kat Osterman, just, like, the, those, like, staples of pitching. Also, like, Natasha wallace just because she was a hitter. And, like, that was one, and Peaches James, one of the only, like, black softball players that I knew growing up at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think as I got older and got to college and kind of just, like, started learning on my own, what I liked, what I didn't like, what my goals were, things like that, Um, my why's honestly started to become like the people around me, like my parents, my family, why the money we've spent, these things, like I wanted to make everyone proud and, and do those things, and just like every time we would go to a game, there's a little girl knowing who I am, and I may not know who she is, but the fact that she could come up to me and say, I we're 23 because of you or I do this. And just those things started to become my why. And I think if you don't go through certain things, you don't get to figure out your why. So like everything that has happened to me in my career, I'm, I'm very grateful that I've gone through and I probably wouldn't be where I am without those things. So.
2: You mentioned peaches and you have this unique journey that's similar to hers, right? You played at the same high school, you played at the same university. So have you ever had conversations with her like throughout your career? And, and now, you know, when you look at your career, both at in high school and in college and the similarities, what does that say to you? Yeah. I um, actually took a few lessons from Peaches when I was probably about like 12, 13,
1: maybe, maybe a little older than that. Um, She used to be in the Quakes facility when, um, when I was in like high school with Todd and that was that connection. So I got to meet Peaches um, every time I see her at Nebraska events, we, we talk and um, very grateful to like know her and have that have someone that has gone through what you've been through. Um, her family is they are just awesome. Um, and there's honestly a lot of similarities in our in our careers, um, just like from Papio to Nebraska pitching hitting. Um, but I think we like are very different in some ways too. But like I'm very grateful to like have her as a role model uh, in my life.
0: We'll wrap it up on this. Uh, The program itself, uh, you know, when you came in, Nebraska had missed regionals the last couple of years. Uh, They missed regionals the first couple years of your career, but as you emerged as a leader, this program got back to a place where uh, they were, where the program was really meeting its goals. How much does that mean to you that very definitively you leave this program in a better place than you found it
1: yeah um i think when i came in i everyone knows we were going through some things and kind of essentially hit rock bottom for the program um and after covid and going into like my junior year my junior year after that um we were just like tired of losing like we didn't want to be that program that just like hoops the bed essentially all the time and I think once I had Liv and Carly who also like we all had the same vision ironically at the same time like right after season ended we had like all texted each other it was kind of weird actually um it was just like that's all I had ever wanted even coming into the program like all I ever wanted was to win was to pack bowling was to go to a regional go to a super like that's all I had ever wanted and that's in my post game, in our post game circle after regionals, I like was crying, but I was like able to express that that that's all I ever wanted for Nebraska softball for Coacherville, Sipple, and Miller, and for them to feel like there is no longer a 10-year gap, like they can do that every year, and I feel like I've accomplished that, and I'm just very again grateful to have accomplished it and to have done that for them.
0: Well, I can tell you, you know, I'm I'm sure the coaches have expressed similar uh, thoughts to you, but just from my perspective, as as somebody who who's observed this program for a long time, uh, uh, you've accomplished that mission, and and this program. Uh, in the next few years is going to stand on your shoulders and uh, build from the efforts that you put in, and and I know you put in in big ones. So uh, as a fan of Husker softball and a follower of that program, thank you, and uh, we wish you well, and we hope to see you around bowling in the coming years uh, as a fan.
1: Yes, I'll be there.
0: <laughs> Sounds good. Take care, Courtney, and uh, again, congratulations on a terrific career, and uh, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so we go from one pitcher who is just wrapping up her career to a pitcher who has just gotten out to a great start in her career Washington's Ruby Malin uh, she was a part of the husky team that uh, made a astonishing comeback in the regional final against McNeese State winning seven to six in that. If necessary, game in the regional final uh, to clinch the Seattle regional and win their way into supers, where they'll take on uh, the Louisiana Region Cajuns. And Ruby joins us now here on Behind the Plate with Marin and Nate. And uh, Ruby, first off, just take us through your emotions as Washington was (laughs) mounting that comeback, and you're down, you're down six nothing uh, to McNeese State in a regional final, and then all of a sudden here come the Huskies.
3: Well, it was like a whirlwind and I did not recover until about yesterday. (laughs) Like it was like emotionally like a roller coaster, but after losing the first game, well, we had beat McNeese the day before on that Saturday. And after losing the first game, it's kind of like, oh gosh, like a reality check, like, oh, well, this could be it. Like, and so I, going into that game starting, I was, I was a little like on edge a little bit, like i was I was for sure nervous, and I don't get nervous very much, but I was just knowing that like McNeese is a scrappy team, and you don't hear about them very much, but they are like scrappy, and they had beat us previously in the season, like week two, so um that was crazy, and then I didn't have my best performance, so I got pulled, and I was like, oh my gosh, like I really just like mess this up for my team because we've been our goal is obviously the World Series and to win a national championship. So I was like really upset with myself, but knowing that my team has my back just like going forward at UW, like it's just so cool. And it was it was crazy. Like tears were shed. I was bawling like a baby. I was like, oh my God, I love you guys. Like you literally just have my back. And they were also Excited and everyone was so happy. So it was crazy, but it was like a really cool experience to be part of that because that's going to be one of the most historic games ever played at Husky Stadium. So
2: from your perspective, you know, you're you're down six, three at this point, right? (laughs) Bases are loaded and you've got Bailey Klingler up. I mean, that can can it get any more perfect Mm -hmm. than that. I mean, you think
3: – like, even the first game, bases were loaded in the seventh. We were down 1-0, and I was like, Bailey's going to go yard. Bailey's going to go yard. But I think it was cool that Bay um, like, beat out a ground ball, and then Sammy comes up and hits a freaking base-clearing triple. It was just crazy. And it was it's cool because I felt like everyone in the lineup had, like, played the role. Like, Lana comes in off the bench and – gets a walk like that's huge and like everyone's role in that moment I feel like kind of just fell into place it was really cool
0: chatting with (laughs) Washington pitcher Ruby Malin here on behind the plate with Marin and Nate and Ruby let's look at your season so far I mean you've been Washington's leading pitcher this year uh, record of 17 and 5 a 227 ERA you've gotten the most work uh, in terms of innings pitched, uh, what has surprised you the most about uh, pitching in the Pac 12 as much as you have?
3: I think it was kind of a reality check starting to pack because I started preseason like really well, like was getting all this hype from everyone. And it was kind of like, oh my gosh, like this is so awesome, whatever. And then Pac hits and it's like Oregon, my first Pac start at home. I was like, it was a Friday night game. It was, like, late. It was dark, and then the stadium's full. And I look up before I throw the first pitch. I'm like, I have never played in front of this many people, and it's so loud. And I think the first two to three weeks of Pac-12 were, like, a reality check because it. I've never played someone three times in three days. Like, they scout you. They know everything about you. They know what you're going to throw in each count. Like, that's all, like – literally on the internet like so I think it I had a lot of ups and downs during uh conference play but it was something that it was like hard for me like I was struggling the middle of the season a lot like with just like self-doubt and stuff like that but I think going through that now I'm like the most confident I've ever been so um it's been a really really good experience for me and I've been through stuff that most people don't get to go through until their junior or senior year so I think it's cool that we can build off of this season. But it's been awesome.
2: How quickly did you have to adapt from going to, you know, being an ace in high school, you know, pitching, you know, club ball, mm-hmm. to all of a sudden, you're the pitcher at Washington? Like, how much of a, a learning curve is that?
3: It was huge. I mean, coming in, I knew that it was going to be a really big role to fill because Gabby Plain's gone. It's like that's Washington's ace the last five years. Um, But I think it's good that, like I said, like got to go through all this as a freshman. Like it's been a hard year, but it's also been a really, really rewarding year because I've got to see all the work that I put in throughout high school and like the fall um, of this year come into play and like beating teams that I used to watch at the world series. Like, it's just a cool, it's a cool thing that I got to do as a 19 year old.
0: Chatting with Ruby Malin here on behind the plate with Marin and Nate. I mean, how, how long did it, sort of take for you to settle in as a college pitcher you mentioned you had some success in non-conference play and tournament season Uh, how long did it take for you to feel comfortable at this level
3: um well like I said like the preseason for me was not easy but I didn't I didn't go through any really failure like I don't think I lost a game in preseason my ERA was like 0.5 it was like I was kind of like mowing through teams but then uh it took a little bit. So first week of pack, we play Oregon, who's a really offensive team. So that was like uh, crazy because they they scored and they hit the ball hard. And um, then we play UCLA week two, which is crazy because obviously it's UCLA and we beat them game one. So then I'm like, oh, my gosh, like we're so good, whatever. And then game three, I start and they hit two home run or three home runs in the first two innings or something. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So. Um, I had to. I sat down with my coaches and I was like, "What can I do?" Because I feel like in the big moments, I've been, I've been getting like, nervous and it was weird. So we kind of like try to figure out my routine on the field, like in between pitches. So now, like I've implemented like, breathing and um, just like having a focal point on the field. So that's honestly been the most helpful thing. It's not mechanical. Like I know how to pitch. I know what to do. Like ultimately, when I miss my spots and stuff like that it's more so mental or I'm like rushing the process and stuff like that so that's something that I've learned throughout the season and especially in pack play
2: you mentioned you know pitching against UCLA and I don't think we can have this conversation without mentioning UCLA not getting out of their regional so how wild is it for you I don't know has UCLA ever not been in the world series in your lifetime
3: I, I I don't remember a time that that's happened. I mean, I've been watching the World Series for a long time, and I feel like it's always UCLA, Oklahoma, Florida State. It's weird that UCLA won't be there. It's also um, – we, we always want Pac-12 teams to get to the World Series just because, like, we believe in our conference. But it's also weird knowing that UCLA won't be with us next year. They're going to be in the Big Ten. So, I don't know. It's crazy. I feel bad for – Megan Framo, she's someone I looked up to for like a really long time. Just knowing that her career ended like that is sad, but it's okay.
0: It's mayhem. Yeah, you yeah. guys, you guys are the ones still alive, carrying yeah. the pac It very well quarter. could
3: have been us.
0: Sure, yeah. <laughs> you, you guys, you guys were on the <laughs> brink to say the least. Uh, this weekend, you've got uh, the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns coming to town, and mm-hmm. uh, you know it's another mid-major program, but. Uh, A little deeper tradition and history than uh, McNeese State. You've heard a little about them, but they don't have the spotlight that uh, a major conference school would have. And yet, great softball tradition. What do you know about the Cajuns getting ready for the Super Regional matchup?
3: I know that they're an offensive team. Um, If I'm being honest, I don't really scout because... During the beginning of the season, I would sit there and watch film on everyone I played, and I think I would, like, overthink it. So uh, my coach was like, Ruby, if you throw good pitches in good spots, they're not going to get hit. So we decided I'm not really allowed to scout teams. So I honestly couldn't tell you much about their hitters. I know they have a few hitters hitting in the 300s. That's all I know. Um, I know their pitching's average to decent. Like I think it's gonna be if the hitters can score runs and us pitchers can limit runs, I think we'll be okay.
0: The crash Davis wisdom don't <laughs> think it can only hurt don't, the don't think. <laughs> yeah. Hey well hey uh we wish you the best of luck uh, this weekend against the raging Cajuns. Don't think too much and uh, uh perhaps uh, you guys uh, can continue Uh, can continue to carry the banner for the Pac-12 into the Women's College World Series. Good luck this weekend.
3: Thank you. Go dogs.
0: There you go. There's Ruby Malin, the uh, star freshman pitcher of the Washington Huskies. And great matchup for them this weekend against Louisiana. Big contrast in terms of teams and in terms of setups. Going to be a very nice test for them.
2: Oh, yeah. Especially after that, whatever we can call it, that
0: Absurdity.
2: I. I mean, I was. Wa- I was actually watching the game on my phone when it was tied at six, mm-hmm. and then my phone died.
0: How <laughs> the time I, for your phone to die? I
2: went crazy, uh, but I'm just. I'm happy for Ruby. Uh, I. It just goes to tell you, like, how much talent really is from here. When when you look at you know you look at her, you look at what Courtney just did in her career, and then mm-hmm. you know it's 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 crazy to think about. When Ruby was in high school, like her, her catcher was a Camden's twin. Sure. And they both made all conference in their freshman year. So, I mean, it's just, it's nuts to see, to see all of the success that these kids are having.
0: It certainly speaks well to the quality of softball in the state and, uh, we shall see what Ruby Malin does on the national stage uh, this weekend for Washington against the Louisiana region Cajuns, one of eight super regionals that we'll be chatting about next week here on behind the plate with Marin and Nate and for Marin Angus Combs for Ruby Malin and for Courtney Wallace, Nate Rohr saying, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. All right. So there's the close. Now okay. the open. Holy moly. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We've got 15 minutes.
2: Good. 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 So we can. You're we, a pro, Nate.
0: Uh, do what I can. Um, so we'll start with Huskers and then yeah. we can get into other super regionals as time allows or yeah. other regionals yeah. as time allows, but we can start with the Huskers. Okay. Okay. All right. So, the beginning of the podcast. The beginning is the end, is the beginning. Tape in three, two, and one. Behind the plate with Marin and Nate, the post regionals, pre super regionals edition. And along with Marin Angus Combs, the softball writer for Hale Varsity, I'm Nate Rohr, the play by play voice of nebraska softball and i've got my bright orange polo on because i'm going golfing because our season's over no uh just kidding uh it it was the first thing i grabbed that was clean that was a, a a decent color and i i typically don't wear husker stuff on this podcast because we talk about everybody and uh very proud of of the season the huskers had and the showing they had in regionals uh but orange polo today for me um you headed to the knoxville
2: super regional right yeah
0: Yeah. well and and note it's it's bright orange it sure as hell is not burnt orange rocky top you'll always be You, you can fill in the rest um Let's go Vols. Get it done this weekend. So we're, we're chatting about the regionals. We'll chat about the Huskers stay down in Stillwater. The thrilling come from behind victory over Wichita State on Saturday night. And then the regional final loss to Oklahoma State on Sunday. And then we'll talk with two of the players involved in regionals. One finishing her career in regionals. Courtney Wallace, the Huskers uh, workhorse of a right-handed pitcher. And then one just getting her career going, Ruby Malin, the terrific freshman pitcher for the Washington Huskies. They were kind of dangling over the cliff in their regional final against McNeese State, uh, trailing six to nothing uh, in the top of the seventh inning, and then they score seven runs
2: as the rain began to fall. Let's yeah. not like let's not skip that part because yeah. it the weather was dry for that game mm-hmm. until the seventh inning when Washington got up to bat, it was like the softball gods came through and (laughs) said, the Huskies are moving on and I'm going to do what it takes to help.
0: Yeah. You would think of the two teams in that scenario, the team most comfortable in the rain would be Washington. And apparently they were, uh, as they were able to surge back into that game, put up seven runs and, you know, on one hand, you feel happy for, for Washington, right? Because uh, that's just a remarkable comeback and and just so exciting for that program. On the other hand, you feel really bad for McNeese State, yeah. especially from the standpoint that they're, you know, though they are a very good program, they don't get to this point very often. And mm-hmm. the fact that they were so close to advancing further into super regionals. One out away, mm-hmm.
2: One out of way. And... It- you know, as, as a coach, you have to probably go replay that in your head. Like, sure. He's going to, he's going to be replaying that game for a long time. You know, could he have pulled his pitcher? Mm -hmm. Could he have, uh, you know, maybe fought for a rain delay?
0: Sure. I mean, and, and that's a worthy consideration. I mean, you, you talk about the rain coming down at just the wrong time. That brings to mind the Sunday game against North uh, Nebraska and Northwestern uh, when yeah. when the rain really helped Northwestern in the fifth inning. I don't think there's any question. I mean, you think of the ground ball, Caitlin Kaneda mishandled where she just lost her grip on the ball and that never happened to her. It didn't happen to her in the 40 some games before. It didn't happen to her in the 15 games after and, and yet there in the rain um she she lost her grip on the ball and that allowed a run to score and that was part of Northwestern's big comeback so uh you know it a a tough spot for McNeese and you feel bad for him and and I'm sure they asked for a rain delay or or maybe questioned it a little bit but you know in the end it's in the umpire's hands and and you The other thing is, do you really want to kick up that big a distraction in that big a moment?
2: Probably not. Yeah, You're trying to stay in the moment, right? You want your pitcher to be in the moment. You want your team to be in the moment and really, you know, understand what is happening. Um, But it's just when you start to lose the momentum, Mm -hmm. you got to be able to put a stop to it somehow. Sure. And I don't think they ever got that opportunity. They, they never were able to put a stop to that momentum until the lead was gone.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, the enduring image for me from that game and, and we were watching it on the bus, uh, um, the game with Oklahoma state had ended. Uh, so we were on the bus, uh, the girls went in in showered and, and got ready for the bus ride home. um, but we were watching the end of that game, and Ashley Vallejo—and forgive me if the pronunciation's wrong—but um, the pitcher for mm-hmm. McNeese was just lost, just sobbing. And I can't blame her. I mean, I'm sure uh, she felt like she should have been able to hold on to that lead, uh, and was not able to. And and you feel bad for a kid in that moment, yeah. even though I mean, hey, Washington had plenty to feel good about. Well, we've talked quite a bit about the uh, Seattle regional, but of course, our eyes were very tightly focused on the Stillwater regional and Nebraska goes plays in the regional final finishes uh, in the regional final losing to Oklahoma State um, ends up with a two and two record. I think overall, that's this Husker softball team, and maybe we can get a little more into sort of the the writ large season wrap up next week. But uh, this Husker softball team met expectations. I think it, I think they were a team that you expected to take a step forward in NCAA's. I think they were a team you expected to compete in the Big Ten. They did that, uh, and, and the fact that they were able to get to the regional final. Win two games down in Stillwater, including slaying the Wichita State Dragon. I think that makes this weekend a success.
2: I would agree. I think if if we're at the beginning of the year, we're we're talking about an expectation of the Huskers playing in a regional. We're talking about you know could playing in a regional final. You know could they get to a super maybe? Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as Kalen Kinney went down, yeah. I think our expectations maybe changed a little bit because it is so hard to get through the season with two arms. And so I think for, at least for me, I thought, you know what, if they make a regional, great. Mm -hmm. If they are a two seed, that's even better. If they're a three seed, okay. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I really hoped they would get in, but I just was so worried that they were going to run out of gas. And it's so, just because it's so hard to only have two pitchers. Sure. And so by them getting into the tournament, being a top four seed in the conference tournament um, and doing what they did, I think they kind of surpassed my expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and then getting getting to the point where they slayed Wichita State and, yeah. the, and how they did it. Yeah and and then having a lead in a regional final it just i, I think they they surpassed expectations.
0: Yeah, it, the, the expectations and the ceiling for the season definitely changed on the Kinney injury, but uh, I want to review that Wichita State game because, uh you know, it, it was the best of this team on display, even though it was a game that Nebraska trailed six to three, going to the bottom of the seventh, and all year long, one thing Ronda Ravel has told me, and one thing that this team has been able to lean on, is the idea that they'll get up off the mat. That mm-hmm. that they don't they don't let yesterday beat them today. They might get beat today, but it's because you know Northwestern or Wichita State or whomever executed. But uh, the fact that they got up off the mat, uh, you know, they're down three. They've got the bottom half of the order due in the seventh inning, and you're thinking, well, it's going to take something for a comeback to happen here. And and yet they got to the plate with confidence. They were able to get that inning going. Um, You know, the home run by Neal brings them right back into that game, a one-run game. I I think that is the finest hour of this team, showing that – they would continue to compete and continue to fight even when it looked rough.
2: Yeah. And I think once Caitlin Neal hit that home run, you could feel the energy completely mm-hmm. change, right? You could see you could see Wichita State getting nervous. You could see as they pan to the dugout, like, <laughs> oh no, you know, what's happening? And then you pan to the Husker dugout and they're going crazy, right? Yeah. So I think you could see the energy shift and in, in that one swing. And then you knew the Huskers were, were in, in the fight. Right. And from then on every inning, you were just hanging on with every pitch. Yeah. And
0: and, you know, the other part is they come back in the, in the top of the ninth, Uh, Wichita state puts up two runs, top of their order puts up two runs. The Huskers get right back off the mat Felder hits the home run to where you're a bloop in the blast away from tying that game. Felder's home run in that moment was huge,
2: huge. And a massive shot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you massive. Are. And so I once she, yeah, that home run, everything you could just, I, I felt it. I mm. honestly, I was on the edge of the bed watching, right, yeah. because it's like going on midnight, and <laughs> I'm on the edge of the bed watching. I'm holding my puppy in my lap, and I'm just like, this is gonna happen. They're gonna pull this out.
0: Yeah, and you know, Wichita State had beaten Nebraska three times. Um, they'd They beat them in an ugly game Friday night in Wichita in March. Uh, They broke their hearts Friday night in Stillwater. You know, Wichita State came back and won that thing in the first round. So, you know, the other outgrowth of this is that you don't have Wichita State hanging over your head because – I assume, I haven't seen the non-conference schedule. I assume Nebraska will play Wichita State next they have year. have to. In non-conference. And, and so they don't have that thing, that that they don't feel like they have your number. One other thought before we get to our first interview of the day. How about the end of the game? Alex Aguilar, who throws the pitch for Wichita State, mm-hmm. freshman.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Caitlin Caneda who hits the ball for Nebraska freshman second baseman Sammy Hood who fields the ball for Wichita State freshman big moment and 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 it was all down to the young kids and Canada was able to put the ball in play and and drive in the game winning run for the Huskers so fun night really the highlight of the season, especially looking back on it, uh, you know, the Arizona win uh, from April has lost some luster, uh, but but a special night for Husker softball. And, you know, personally for me, one of my favorite games uh, that I've had the privilege of covering uh, during my time with Nebraska softball. And one of my favorite players to cover for the Huskers is Courtney Walls. And she carried this team with toughness, all season long and uh she takes a moment from her uh her her retirement essentially to join us here on behind the plate with marin and nate. Yeah. Woo-hoo! Sorry I took so
2: long